Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. The 2017 hurricane season was a memorable one for many in the Atlantic Basin with 17 named storms, 10 hurricanes, and six major hurricanes. But for Puerto Rico, it was especially memorable because of Hurricane Maria. The Category 4 hurricane with winds of 155 miles per hour pushed ashore in Puerto Rico and became the deadliest and costliest hurricane in Puerto Rico's history. Chief Meteorologist Ada Monzon covered the storm's progression, landfall, and the lasting aftermath. Today, we'll explore the communication challenges she and others face during and after the storm. Ada, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thank you, Dr. Shepard. You know, I am so happy to be here with you, and I'm honored to be part of this program. Well, it's well, she's being kind because she's a legend in the field of meteorology. So let me just put that right out there right now. I, I wrote an article on four legendary women in the field of meteorology, and she was one of the four uh, with June Bacon, BRC, Joanne Simpson, and, and Kathy Sullivan. So I know her personally, so I know she's a very humble and gracious person, but the honor is all ours to have have you on the show. Let me give people, but before I do that, let me ask what I ask every Weather Geeks guest. It's always the first question. How'd you become a Weather Geek? Oh my goodness. Because of a book. Um, my mother, my aunt, and my grandmother, uh, I mean, that's my family. Uh, we They are all teachers. So we had a beautiful library space in my house, and there were all these science books, but my favorite one was the weather book from the Life, um, the Life Library. And it was all about thunderstorms, about clouds. So I used to, you know, my pastime was to go out and watch the clouds. I loved the rain. There was flooding in my street. So I love to wear boots and, and predict the weather. So I love sciences. I was a little kid. And I know that most meteorologists and most weather geeks will tell you that since they were kids, they love the weather. Yeah, that's certainly my story, too. And I, I think about my sixth grade science project. That's what got me involved. But I also there was a book involved. It was the USA Today weather book by Jack Williams, who, which is now sort of branded under the AMS. So if you're really interested in just a really introductory book on the weather, the AMS weather book, I would highly recommend it. And that let me I can't do her justice, but let me read a little bit of Ada's Ada's. I, I've always called her Ada and she just actually told me before we came on, it's actually pronounced Ada. And I should have known that by looking at the <laughs> structure of the, of the wording, but let me give you a little bit of her background. She's the chief meteorologist at WAPA-TV and Univision Radio, uh, WKAQ 580 AM. She was the 2018 National Weather Person of the Year, distinguished alumni of the Faculty of Natural Sciences of the University of Puerto Rico from 20, 2003 to 2014. Uh, she has worked with FEMA's Division Mitigation on Hurricane Preparedness as a former forecaster and warning preparedness meteorologist at the National Weather Service in San Juan. 
And one of the reasons that I'm particularly fond of her, among many others, is she's a fellow Florida State Seminole with a master's degree uh, from Florida State, my alma mater, and a BS in mathematics from the University of Puerto Rico. There are many other things that I will mention about her over the course of the podcast, uh, so I'll come back to that. But I wanted to kind of get started there. Is there, you know, just let's just dive right in. Being from Puerto Rico, you you mentioned your sort of background and how you got interested in weather. But is there anything particularly special or interesting about being from Puerto Rico and your connections to tropical weather or hurricanes? Oh, my goodness. Uh, You know, I've loved uh, tropical weather. You know, um, I used to volunteer to the National Weather Service Office while I was doing my bachelor's degree in meteorology, in mathematics in Puerto Rico, because I just wanted to make sure that I really loved the operational forecasting. And I did, and I loved every second of it. At that time, the National Weather Service was located at the airport facilities. So I loved working on the airport. And when I came back from FSU, my first job was as as an aviation forecaster at the weather service office. So I love that aspect of the aeronautics and meteorology. And I still do because I am I am fond of the NASA programs. That's why I love weather, I love aerospace and all this combination really makes me really excited about the education opportunities that we also have to teach and inspire others in these matters. And that's why I always support um, women in meteorology um, and all those kids that have aspirations in the field. Right now, after Hurricane Maria, I've noticed the amount of, of young people that are interested. And not only because of the of the science, because of the socioeconomic impact that these phenomena have in our lives. So that is very important because I think that because of these extreme events, the the young people feel that they have to be part of the solution. And that's something that really surprised me. They're volunteer for nonprofit organizations. So this has very positive cascade effects because of weather. And that, that I really love. Yeah, exactly. Talking with Autumn Monzon here on the Weather Geeks podcast. And I, you mentioned Maria. Maria, to me, was just a, an interesting storm from a meteorological perspective, a uh, communications nightmare, I'd imagine, for someone like you. And then just, a, in some ways, a disappointment from the standpoint of how uh, the, the response sort of played out, particularly from, our, some, from some parts of the mainland here. Uh, we can get into all of that. But let's, you know, we know and we knew that Hurricane Maria was coming, but what were the particular challenges for you on the ground in terms of how you were communicating the event and lead up? Well, I, I'll tell you right away that Maria came two weeks after Hurricane Irma. So if you think there was a challenge with Maria, you cannot imagine what kind of challenge was with Irma. Irma actually kind of skirted Puerto Rico about 30 miles to the north. Uh, well, a, a Category 5 hurricane, it destroyed the U.S. Virgin Islands, especially St. Thomas, you know, St. John. So most of our preparedness um, resources actually went to the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico didn't have enough time to replenish those. 
So in terms of communication, you know, we were talking about this. We have the potential of having this hurricane category five. We didn't have history of category five or category four or five hurricanes in our area for a very long time. Wait, can, my, I can I stop yes, you there? So sure. I think a lot of listeners may be surprised at that. So Puerto Rico had not had before that time many cat four, cat fives in recent time. Exactly. The, the last one was 1928. It was Hurricane uh, San Felipe, which became wow. the Okeechobee hurricane in Florida. So that, that was the last one. So there's no history uh, for me to even say, listen, we can have 185 miles per hour winds. It was something that I had to stop and say, I cannot believe I am saying this. I mean, I thought that this would never come out from my mouth. Just, just saying that. You know, anyone can, let me put it this way. Anyone can say a forecast, this is what's coming from the National Hurricane Center. The hurricane is 175 miles an hour, blah, blah, blah. But how do you interpret that for the general population? You know, how the general public, how do you say that what the effects will be when you haven't had the experience? The only thing that I had read from San Felipe that can really, that helped me to address this specific moment was the fact that I read a general letter, a general that wrote a letter by the time in 1928 describing how the winds behave. And he said, the winds are usually the movement of gas, but in Hurricane San Felipe, the gas became a solid. Wow. And those words always were in the back of my mind. How do I explain that the wind can become a solid? Wow. And while it was happening, Marshall, I can tell you, I, it was like, a, like it was replaying in my mind, the wind is becoming a solid. The wind is becoming a solid. So, you know, trying to explain having the empathy with the message, trying to understand what this will mean to your 80 year old mother or to the five year old uh, young person. So th this was really hard and, and it took it took me many Facebook lives and being on TV many times, you know, to get used to making that the message was polished enough so that it could get to people that they had to prepare. And I'm talking with Autumn Monzone about her sort of challenges in communicating the significant threat that Hurricane Maria was following after Irma, in fact. And I think it highlights one thing that I've often said uh, in these discussions and others, which is having a key figure that people trust conveying concern, I think, gets attention. I mean, they can read it on their phones or on Twitter or social media, but when Ottoman Zone is on the air talking about the severity of this, there are people in that uh, market that trust you and understand the severity. So uh, I think that's an interesting note in terms of what communication with sort of real trusted sources is all about. Do, do, you, do you agree that we, there's always going to be a place for the human voice in morning weather? There's always going to be. I mean, no computer can translate the emotional aspects of catastrophic events. There's no way. I mean, you need you need a guide. You need you need um, a friend. Uh, the meteorologist 
it, it comes to a point that you're not a meteorologist anymore. When, when you're in catastrophic events, you need, it's like when, when you're sick and you are in that point when, you know, you're, you know, you're told that you have a very, uh, like cancer or something that a terminal disease. I mean, your doctor stops being a doctor. It becomes your friend. It becomes the person that you trust and that you actually give your heart to so that they can tell you that this is going to be okay, that you're going to be with them all the time. And that was my message. My message was, I'm going, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm here. You know, my entire life, I've prepared my entire career, life, professionally for this moment. So I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to be here for you and, and I'm not going to stop. So we're going to go through this together, you know, as long as it takes, as long as we can communicate. But even if we can't communicate, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. And this became extremely important, Marshall, when it was making landfall. For the first time in Puerto Rico, we had the extreme wind warning that, you know, we haven't had this kind of warning, but it's, it's that moment when you tell people, listen, this is the time that if you haven't done, done it yet, you will go to the closet. You will go to the closest, your, your safe place. Even if you have to go into the kitchen cabinets, you will go in there and you will stay there and you will listen to all these sounds and everything may seem may may seem like it's going to be destroyed but i'm going to be here with you with my voice i'm going to be here with you so go ahead i'm going to accompany you i'm going i'm in the radio i'm in the tv i'm here with you so that you know that moment i cannot explain it to you but it it takes a human heart Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with my friend and colleague, Autumn Onzone, who is telling really from the heart about her experience as one of the key voices in the tragic uh, storm that was Hurricane Maria. And look, I've, I've, you know, we know that Puerto Rico lost its National Weather Service radar, and we've seen the images and the power losses and water losses and people who were on ventilators and things of that nature and without power for, you know, I, I you know, we, we had an event here in Texas a couple of weeks ago, months ago, perhaps, where people were without power for a few days or a week, and that's tragic in itself. Now, imagine being without power for multiple weeks to months. That's what our fellow citizens in Puerto Rico dealt with. I mean, tell us just about the human, I mean, 
not the meteorologist experience, but the human toll after the storm. Now, I, I, we're going to get into the discussion about, uh, you know, rapid intensification and the track forecast, because there's some meteorology that was really challenging with uh, with the storm, because we're seeing these rapidly intensifying storms and so forth, you know, rapid intensification over 24 hours. But there's a human story that I, I heard Ada talk about at an AMS meeting several years ago. She was on the ground. These are her, these are her family, her friends, her people that she sort of knows. So uh, the storm happened. It took took essentially the, the society down for several weeks to months. But why why was it such a challenge for the for the um, uh, citizens of the United States that are in Puerto Rico to deal with this? You know, um, we've had political and economical issues for a long time before the storm. So that's something that sets up just the scenario for, you know, for having now a catastrophic hurricane, Irma first, and then Hurricane Maria. So for Irma, and, and I was telling you before, you know, it was a real challenge because there was no history. Now the hurricane kind of went away, but now we're saying that this one is coming. No, but you said that that one was coming. It didn't come. Said no, no, no. I told you exactly what was going to happen, that it was going to go 30 miles because the forecast was that good. The forecast was that good. But it was but, that good. Or, uh, but do, do people misinterpret these cones or just sort of sort of sort of not? Do we still have a gap in our people's understanding of what we mean when we know oh, yeah. the cones? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, definitely. But I mean, for some reason, and, and we know, right, that, you know, category three, fours and fives are much easier to forecast than, so, so although, you know, people, yeah, but you say it was, it was 30 miles, it could happen, it could happen again, it could scare us away, it was like, no, this is going to happen. But the problem was that we already had 80,000 people without electricity, and shelters were used and we had less resources. So now we're facing a category five hurricane that is coming in our, our way. So, you know, so I think the message got across, but when I was leaving my house to that station, I remember, you know, I made a live just, just to reinforce my message that, listen, I'm leaving my house, leaving my dear loved ones, just to be in the station and making sure that, you know, you are safe. You know, that, that live, that Facebook live was like, had like millions of views. I went to the station. I remember in the car, I was looking around and I saw little sh uh, window shutters, very few. I was like, wow, how, we have learned a lot, you know, for the past few decades, or we are not preparing. Something is happening because there are no window shutters in all these buildings. I, I put my house, you know, all around with shutters and all of a sudden I saw that I was really concerned, but I said, well, I've done my best. You know, uh, the weather service have done their best. Everybody has, you know, everybody has put their best in all of this. So this is it. We have no more time to do anything. And, you know, during the process of, you know, it comes to a point for meteorologists, it comes, there are two points that I think that are very important before landfall. First, the moment that you are, you as a professional realize that, oh my God, this is coming. There's, I mean, and then when you're done forecasting, and now it's just wait until it comes and makes landfall. So these two points are very important in that 
process that no hurricane center watch or warning will tell you that 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 it is a emotional process that you go through is your education your experience and your emotions all tangled up right in order to produce that message so that all happened and then we had the landfall you're you are emotionally destroyed and then you go out and then you see what you were talking about i remember saying you know you're gonna see puerto rico today and this is going to be puerto rico tomorrow there's going to be another tomorrow even as of today every day we talk about hurricane maria it is in our mind and our soul in our in our conversation you cannot stop because life changed life changed life changed for for everyone because of the because of your house because of the infrastructure because of everything that surrounds you yeah that's it was truly a moment that kind of ranks up there with 9/11 and these sort of life changing moments that we happen happen in US history from time to time I'm talking with Autumn on Zone, and I want to, again, mention some other things. I, I told you she had some really impressive and extensive sort of credentials. I wanted to share a few other things. She's the first and only woman that, as an American Meteorological Society fellow and cert certified broadcast meteorologist in Latin America, she is one of five experts of the governor's first climate change commission of Puerto Rico and the founder and president of the board of directors of the Eco Exploratorio uh, Science Museum of Puerto Rico. So she's someone that, you know, clearly is passionate about meteorology and her, her constituents and her, her listeners and viewers. But she's also someone that is, as I mentioned earlier on, a pioneer, a leader, a force uh, in this field. And so it's really an honor to have her. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your sort of thoughts on sort of just some climate change, rapid intensification, and these aspects that, because, because I, I think it even caught me off guard a little bit when you said that there hadn't been a Cat 4, Cat 5 storm in so long. Uh, there seemingly is evidence of more intense hurricanes going forward and rapid intensification. We saw that in 2020 as well. What are your general thoughts on sort of hurricanes or weather in general? I know that there's, I have a colleague at the University of Georgia studying drought in the Caribbean and the Yonguki and so forth. So what are your general perspectives as someone who lives on the island of Puerto Rico as climate change happens and, and, and changes our extreme weather events? Um, Marshall, this is, um, this is challenging even to communicate. Um, climate change is not an, it's not a phenomenon. Uh, it's, it's, there's, there's no drama about it because it's something that is a process, something that is silent behind everything that is happening around us, but it's, it's nothing like an earthquake or a volcano or a hurricane that has a beginning and, a, and a, as an end. So in order to communicate about, you know, how climate change is behind hurricanes and extreme events, you know, it's, it's difficult, it's, uh, and especially now, we are so deep into our past and trying to survive our present that even thinking of more catastrophic hurricanes, you know, we have to be very delicate about how we communicate that. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this climate change special about 
you know, the impact of Puerto Rico related to climate change. And let me tell you, there's, um, you know, some people find it boring. Some people find that there's no, there's no connection of global warming and climate um, and hurricanes. You know, it is difficult. It is difficult. So we have to be very smart in how we portray the impact of climate change and what does this mean? Not everybody have education resources. I mean, the economic impact of climate change in Puerto Rico, very little people know about it, if none. Right, right. I mean, that's surprising because, uh, but it's not in some ways it's surprising, in some ways not, because we deal with the same thing uh, here on the mainland as well. Uh, I, I just, I've often talked about this, Ada, that people just don't, make the connections. People are worried in their own homes about how they're going to buy groceries and their kids' health, putting fuel in the car, paying the electric bill, and so forth, what I call kitchen table issues. But people don't make the connections oftentimes that those very kitchen table issues are very much linked to climate change, extreme weather events, the economics and recovery of storms like Maria or uh, the winter weather uh, here that we had in Texas. So, you know, I spend a lot of time with my messaging in that in that space. But indeed, it is very challenging. Now, I want to. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Sort of in this, uh, well, before we do that, let me take a quick break and then we'll come right back. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with the legendary Ottoman Zone, a meteorologist in Puerto Rico, who um, was a, a very important voice in Hurricane Maria and an important voice in meteorology and climate in general. I want to kind of in this last segment, just kind of pick your brain as someone that I admire and respect. Um, if you were the head of the National Weather Service or NOAA, and by the way, I think you could be, they're still looking for a new head of NOAA. Uh, I know that for a fact. Um, what are some of the most immediate needs that you see either in our weather climate field or specifically in warning, uh, weather warnings, particularly generally or for Puerto Rico in general? I mean, if you can wave a magic wand is in that role, what is something we need or that we're missing? I think we need flexibility. Flexibility for watches and warnings. And let me tell you why. You know, the watches and warnings are crafted, you know, in the National Hurricane Center, but, you know, they're in a the general perspective. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, we have the issue that, you know, there's a science and the science says this, but we are not incorporating the social, economical, and environmental message in those in the science, we say we are, but actually we aren't. Mm. And I think that somehow, and I know that you cannot make a graphic that brings that, but I'm sure that we can start crafting or drafting at least um, some, some graphics that can not only show storm surge, 
um, wind, and uh, you know, water. We we need to make sure that we bring the the effects, the impacts in a in a much better way that people can feel relevant or can can. Um, let me let me think about this in in English, where 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 people can actually relate to what this means, and not not because of hurricanes category one or two or even three. I'm talking about catastrophic events. Catastrophic events is another discipline, Marshall. Is out of the box, and for that you need solutions out of the box, because that's when you have the death. And that's where you have the damage. I mean, when we're talking about $90 billion damages, I mean, you need to put more to make sure that even in those messages, we can make a difference. And if the difference is not at the National Hurricane Center, is left to the National Weather Service Office, then there should be special protocols for addressing catastrophic events. And if I was the head of NOAA, I would make sure that catastrophic events will be another discipline because they are, as you say, becoming more frequent and it's going to need another book for us as meteorologists and also for the way that we're conveying messages. Yeah, I hope that uh, those listening, uh, let's make sure that gets to the highest levels of the government, because I think she's very much on to something that needs to be considered, whoever takes over as NOAA, and needs to be a discussion held within the AMS, National Weather Association, and other communities, because that's a very critical point that she just made. Before I let you go, I do want to get your thoughts on what we can do. Uh, again, like me, your person uh, that it comes from a group that is not necessarily well represented in our field in terms of demographics. I do know that there's some very impressive uh, young men and women that have come from Puerto Rico, uh, University of Puerto Rico, Mayaguez, and various other places that I'm so impressed with. And I've had the honor of meeting and many of them see you as a mentor. I, you know many of these people that I'm talking about. But yet, when I look at the numbers, um, Black African-American in our field, uh, Hispanic, Latin, Latin um, the numbers are low. What are your thoughts on what we need to do there? Listen, um, in Puerto Rico, we didn't have uh, any education program on meteorology for many years. It was not until about 2003 that we had a, a curricular program with the University of Puerto Rico in Mayaguez. Um, since we had the program, at that time, NOAA was funding uh, the program, and it was a very successful program. And most of the students that you have met has been because that program allowed them to get their education here. You know, the economic situation in Puerto Rico is very difficult. And even for myself, I went to FSU, but because I had a, a fellowship from NASA, I mean, I mean, my mother could, I mean, there was no, not even a car in my house. So it was because of fellowships and opportunities and, and, and scholarships, right? That you can actually jump to the United States and, and have the opportunity to study meteorology. But now at least we have the curriculum program that allows you to even work, is NOAA certified, and it allows you to work uh, at the National Weather Service office. And then 
you can even go to your master's degree. You know, you got your thermodynamics, your synoptics, you know, this whole suite. But um, right now that program, it's for some reason, you know, since it lost its funding from NOAA, it's it's been going downhill in a way. Yeah. Uh, so we we need to, we're trying with the University of Puerto Rico and Maya West um, to push it forward and to find funding and to find ways for at least the, one of the things that we liked is, was that we had internships opportunities in NOAA at the National Weather Service offices, but we lost all of that. So we, we are putting an advisory group we have been meeting because we need to rescue that program in order to keep producing students uh, that graduate from that specific meteorology uh, program. But yes, it has been very difficult, um, especially because of funding issues. And we hope that we can make sure that we have those funding, you know, at least that funding back in in the at the university and we can help for example one of the professors the of the program died um last year and um we have no substitution for that so we need to make sure that if you are interested or anyone that is listening from the meteorology field want to make an impact on the meteorology program of Puerto Rico, or if you even want to teach at the University of Puerto Rico, please contact us, please contact me, because we want to make sure that we have choices for the administration of the university, because as, as we know right now, there are very few resources available in terms of funding and in terms of personnel. Well, that, that's a charge and a call that I certainly support. Uh, and please feel free to reach out. Also re reach out to me if you can't reach her and I can reach her. So uh, speaking of that, where can people find you? Are you on social media and on the internet if people want to follow you? Yes, I'm on Facebook, Ada Monson. Uh, actually, in Facebook is A-D-A-R, as in Robert or Rosa, A-D-A-R Monson. And in Twitter and Instagram, Ada Monson, A-D-A-M-O-N-Z-O-N. You see, okay. I say I said Ada you instead said of Ada. Ada. I, I knew I'd heard someone say it before, <laughs> but I, I, I think I probably said both over the years. But, you know, this has been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Unfortunately, we're out of time. But before I go, I have to do the geek of the week. We like to highlight a scientist superstar, a great geologist, or a weather weenie at the end of every podcast. This episode's geek of the week is Abby Izell. Abby is a meteorology student who loves the weather. She watches it 24-7. She's excited to track hurricanes and learn about the hurricane force winds. If you or someone you know should be our next Geek of the Week, feel free to follow the Weather Geek social media pages. And I, I have to tell you, uh, thank you for sharing that about the gas and the solid. That's something I've never heard before, but that's really a powerful piece of communication. So thank you for that nugget and for appearing on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thank you, Marshall. I, I mean, I needed this. Let me tell you, I needed to tell the story, to keep the conversation and to share it with one of the persons that I admire the most is you. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. I, I think, you know, that's certainly a mutual admiration. So thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on the podcast and we'll see you next time. Thank you.